Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. We're going to go a-learning today. A listener named Lon Koenig asked, what's going on with the A bit at the start of words like asleep and awake? When does this A even team up with words? Why do we have awake, but we don't have a walk? Plus, the meaning of awake is pretty close to wake, but a wash does not mean full of washing. For this answer, sometimes the most simple of disguises leads to the most complicated of backstories. We start with a single letter, the first letter of the alphabet, and end up with at least 10 different histories. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. Stick around because after we talk about the A prefix, we're going to talk about the difference between personal and the fancier personnel. The modern A prefix comes from a wide range of sources. This pileup of prefixes standing behind a single letter comes from two qualities of language. On the one hand, bits of words that are unstressed get eroded over time by the currents of sound, like the word lady getting worn down from halafdia to its modern form. The Old English compound halafdia had the word loaf, halaf, and neater, dia, with the idea being that the one who kneaded the dough for bread was the woman of the house. As an aside, we got the word lord the same way. It was originally loaf warden, guardian of the loaf. On the other hand, language is perfectly fine with homophones, where two meaningful parts can be pronounced the same, like bat the piece of wood and bat the flying mammal. These two trends allowed many different forms to coalesce into the modern A prefix. These A prefixes have wound up looking the same in their spelled form, but sometimes we do pronounce them differently depending on their context, such as awash versus atypical. They also have kept different meanings as they've traveled over the centuries, such as the A of atop, meaning closer to on, atop, on top, and the A of atypical, meaning not, atypical, not typical. One version of the A prefix comes directly from Latin. You can see it in its original form of AD in words like admire and adapt. It has a few different meanings. For example, it means to change in the word adapt, which means change to fit. 
It means to respond with in the word admire, which means to respond with wonder. And it indicates the motion toward something in the word advertise, which means to turn toward. You can find this AD prefix in all kinds of places, and in its different sound environments, it took on a range of disguises. You'll look in a dictionary and see all kinds of words that say they use the AD prefix, but they don't have a D in their spelling. And you'll start to think, what the heck, man? Well, what's happened is that the D of the prefix AD melted into the sound after it, leaving the A all by itself in modern pronunciation. For ascend and aspire, the D in the prefix AD was absorbed fully into the following word. For plenty of others, the disguise depended on the following sounds. We get the reduced AD prefix in appall, aggregate, affiliate, assume, allude, arrest, and annex. Believe it or not, all those words without any D are the offspring of the AD prefix. Like the Latin AD, the variety of French nearest England, known as Anglo-Norman French, had itself a form of A that showed up on several words brought into English, such as the word abandon. The words achieve, to the top, chief, amass, to gather together into amass, and avenge, to claim retribution on behalf of someone, were also brought in through this French connection. In French, this A prefix was actually a preposition connecting words to the rest of the sentence, so all the words from this lineage came in as two words. For example, with abandon, it was abandon as two words. For bandon and its cousins bandit and banish, they all originally carried a meaning of public proclamation, of putting it out there for people to hear. With the French, metrevanden, the idea was to put oneself in a person's or passion's control. The verb abandon gets noted in English a century later, meaning to give up all that control to something else. Moving on, another A prefix came from the Greek language and carries the meaning not. With that meaning, it flips the word it's attached to on its head, giving us its opposite, like atypical and asymmetrical. Because it most often is attached to words with two or more syllables, it usually carries some stress and gets itself pronounced with an A, atypical, or an A, agnostic. Its negative meaning appears not to have wavered much over the years and is well entrenched in words like achromatic and asynchronous. Despite its Greek roots, we can use it in modern English to make new words too, and it's not even picky about what kinds of words it attaches to. The word asexual has a Latin root, and the Greek A prefix works just fine. Sometimes this Greek A prefix can be found hiding in plain sight. For example, few people would think of the word atom, A-T-O-M, as having more than one part, which is an interesting coincidence since it means the smallest part that isn't divisible. But the word atom itself was originally two parts, the negative prefix A and the root word for cut, the same root we see in the word appendectomy. It's doubtful that many people today see atom as a word with a prefix, 
but it started off with the negative Greek A prefix, not able to be cut. Most of the words our listener asked about, however, come from different Old English roots, and its diverse background is what makes the meaning of this particular A prefix so difficult to pinpoint. The ancestors of these English A prefixes lived separate lives as prepositions before falling in with a prefix crowd. Prepositions help attach nouns to other parts of a sentence, but often their meanings aren't nailed down. You may remember us talking about that recently in the semantic satiation episode, where we referred to them as function words instead of content words. For example, the meaning of to in go to the store and sick to my stomach aren't the same. The preposition's job is to simply attach the noun to the verb in those cases. One of these A prefixes is the preposition on, which comes from English's Germanic background and has been used in hundreds of different expressions over the centuries. Expressions like, he was that day rode forth on hunting, were common in previous centuries. Modern words with this A prefix include ashore, asleep, and allowed. The word awash is part of this pack, with the OED citing it in 1833 with the meaning similar to in the surf. An anchor is awash when the stock is hove up to the surface of the water. So, to our listeners' question about awash and awake, awash doesn't have to do with laundry because the most common meaning of wash itself has changed over the last few centuries. It's this usage that people viewed as old-fashioned all over the United States' East Coast by the end of the 1800s, and it became associated with rural stereotypes of New England farmers and Appalachian hillbillies in the 1900s, with phrases like, we went a-hunting and a-fishing. So how did we get from on to a? Well, the flow of sound over time wears down certain parts of words. We know that the words one and mine eventually evolved forms with the final vowel of a in a book and my in my book. The nasal sound at the end of one and mine were first lost before consonants, like those examples, but were kept before vowels, as in mine eyes have seen the glory. With a and an, these two forms still share the work of pointing out nouns. But an is specialized in that we only use it before vowels, as in an apple. Before 1700, the preposition a from on was a standard usage, like in we were a-playing last night. It survives in a few expressions today as a separate word in standard usage, twice a day or three times a year. Another English form came from the preposition of, which was eroded down, just like on. The prefix previously known as of landed on words such as anew and afresh. A different Old English source for the modern A prefix was a nifty prefix ye, spelled G-E. That attached to verbs back in the day, such as ye bringen, to bring forth, from bring, and ye askion, to inquire, from ask. In some cases, this prefix hung around, but got reduced down to a, as in afford and aware. This gathering of a prefixes has gone on for centuries, 
There were so many A prefixes bumping around that by the time Edmund Spencer wrote in the 1500s, the A prefix itself was used to make words more intense or to seem old-fashioned, becoming an ornament of style. Spencer uses the A prefix here with the word mate, meaning defeat, to show how the knight was especially defeated, dismayed by his troubles. For never knight that dared warlike deed, more luckless disadventures did a mate. So, as you can see, there are a bunch of different origins for today's A prefix, including four others we didn't even talk about, which is probably why there are so many of them still running around today. And the story of the A prefix is a great example of how sounds can get worn down over time, with originally different forms becoming the same in the end. The story also shows how different meanings can stand behind the same spelling because language warmly welcomes homophones. And what we get from these two themes of language is a horde of A-prefixed words. Thanks for the question. That segment was by Kirk Hazen, a data scientist at CVS Health and a linguist at West Virginia University. He's the author of Introduction to Language and can be found on LinkedIn. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, Missing Pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Trent Armstrong, our former Modern Manners guy, sent me a picture of a sign that mixed up the words personal and personnel. Now, that's one I hadn't seen before. It read, Keep Out, Thunderbird Personal Only. Personal and personnel have the same Latin root, personalis, which means that knowing the root is no help if you're trying to remember the different spellings. 
Personal relates to your person or your body or implies a sense of closeness. For example, if you're someone's personal friend, you're suggesting that the two of you are closer than just casual friends. And if you have a personal favorite, personal just adds emphasis. Some people may even argue that personal is redundant in the phrase personal favorite. And a personal affront is an insult directed specifically at one person. You get the idea. When you refer to personnel, you're talking about a group of people, usually people who work at a company or for the military. Personnel can also be the name of a department that manages a company's employees and can be used as an adjective to describe situations related to employees. After the confetti incident, we had to make some personnel changes. Personnel can be both singular and plural. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of English Usage and Dictionary.com say some people object to personnel being plural, but that the plural use is widespread and acceptable. In fact, some writers also objected to the word in general for the first 50 to 100 years after it was introduced to English from French in the early 1800s. Modern style guides suggest that when personnel is plural, it means people, as in people at the company. The singular use is less common and pops up when you're treating it as a collective noun, similar to staff and board. Here are some examples. All personnel are required to wear galoshes on Mondays. Plural, meaning roughly all people at the company are required to wear galoshes on Mondays. Shareholders say the key point is how much personnel is retained after the cuts. Singular, meaning roughly how much staff is retained. You can remember that personnel means many people by noting that it's spelled with more N's than personal. And a final note, for those of you who are interested in writing with plain English, when you're tempted to use the word personnel, ask if it would be simpler and more clear to use a word such as people or workers instead. If you found that segment interesting, check out episode 865, too, where we talked about material versus materiel. Finally, I have a familect story from our very own Adam Cecil. Hello, this is Adam from QDT, and I have a familect story, maybe two. We'll start with the first one and see if it's any good. Um, but I don't know if actually don't know if this is a familect or just like a, a Britishism, uh, but I guess in my wife's family, a thing that her dad would say, um, would uh would say we're gonna we're gonna take a recce or, or do a recce, which is short for like a reconnaissance mission, uh to be used in a context like if you're headed to the mall or some kind of large food court area or area mixed mixed commercial area with restaurants and uh stores and you wanna see, oh, if maybe there's a long wait at a restaurant, you could kind of take a recce uh down uh down near the restaurant to see uh how busy it is uh you could do that with a bar as well um and i would always use it incorrectly early on in our relationship which always upset um my wife uh and yet here we are today uh many years later uh and the second one similar restaurant style story 
um, was waiting at a, a restaurant out in uh, California and Flamingo Heights near Joshua Tree and with a couple of friends after a wedding. And we had to wait a little bit because we didn't do a recce. And we were out in this kind of like waiting area. And my friend went to go check on the reservation. And he came back and he just gave us two thumbs up. And he said, we're good. And we all just kind of stared at him like, what does that mean? We're good. Like, we're good. Like, the reservation is in. Like, we're waiting. We're ready for the table. Uh, just didn't mean anything. Like, two thumbs up. We're good. Um, so sometimes now, my wife and I and our other friends who were there uh, will say that to each other in kind of nonsensical situations, similar to your uh, story about uh, finding the dog. Uh, we'll just two thumbs up. We're good. Uh, even if we're not good. Thanks, Adam. I can definitely imagine doing a recce in the future. That's a great family act. If you want to share the story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, call the voicemail line at 83-321-4GIRL. It's in the show notes, and be sure to tell me the story behind your family act, because that's always the best part. Grammar Girl is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. Thanks to our audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and our director of podcasts, Adam Cecil. Thanks also to our ad operations specialist, Morgan Christensen, our marketing associate, Davina Tomlin, and our digital operations specialist, Holly Hutchings, who loves getting into a hot car after being in a cold store or restaurant. Mmm, I do too. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.